Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. What is up? What's up? I was not asleep. Not asleep. Not asleep. I got in a research hole because I'm trying to find proof that my great-grandfather came over earlier and then uh, was working as a laborer who then attacked his boss with a shovel. How um, early are we talking? So I know when my great-grandparents came together and then they stayed for about two years and had my grandmother and then went back to Greece. So I know when that is, I have all the records of that, but there's a story about my great grandfather. Oh yeah, we're talking about Bunny's family, that rules. Mm-hmm. So basically the sense is that my great grandfather came earlier than the 1916 time he came. Uh, he came and he worked as a day laborer on the railroad and he attacked his boss with a shovel mm. and then went back to Greece. So I'm trying to narrow down when exactly that was using what I already know. Um, She's going to find out her entire family is actually Italian, and it's going to suck. I already did the jeans, baby. <laughs> no, yeah, but no, there's going to be uh, some, like, Henry Louis Gates, like, fucking uh, twist, where it's like, actually, they all came from Milan. Boom. You're Italian now. Culturally. Never. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, she's not from here. New Jersey, although a she fun, does live in New Jersey. Yes, I do. She's know. from Baltimore, uh, the New Jersey of Maryland. A fun fact, though, <laughs> on the Ellis Island shit manifest that I've been looking through, there's a page that's like races on this ship and it lists like all the ethnicities etc but it lists italian northern italian southern as it should i'll yeah. say that's I mean, correct that's how we should describe people that come from new jersey as well so. yeah okay <laughs> you know what bunny if you have a uh, problem with that i would say that uh macedonians are greek so how do you respond why are you always antagonizing <laughs> 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 no, I, I no, mean, so I okay, was, uh, whatever. I was, Macedonians are so, North Greek, look, whatever. Long story short, I'm going hard at this right now. Long story short is that I have since discovered newspapers.com has like tons of things that were formerly only available on microfiche, digitized, and searchable. Okay. Old timey cool. newspapers. So I've been searching through old timey newspapers and literally just moments ago at 10 30, I found one article, Greek labor. 
laborers attack boss with shovels. <laughs> okay, so my uh, great grandfather so, was there's actually a lot black of labor listed. disputes with these Greek laborers. Uh, basically, I found a lot about this subject today. But uh, another fun thing I found in my research is um, they hardly ever name the Greek laborers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. It's Yano Yanoopolis. There's also several stories about Greek laborers being attacked with shovels. Yeah, you know, the shovel goes around and it comes around. Arlo and I had a neighbor who, I think we mentioned this before, killed somebody for insulting his pappy and had to well, go. Well, okay, you're talking about Archie. I had the same neighbor, dude. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, we're talking about the Archie saga. That's a whole thing. I'm sure we've mentioned it before but no Archie deserves his own god damn here's our first interview of the series is I'm sure Archie is dead right now let's be honest oh man okay dude the guy was like 57 years old and um that's a funny joke if you know about Archie because here's the deal with Archie Archie was my let's say a uh, junior year of college me and some friends on a basis of we all tripped acid together and had very deep-seated complicated hatreds for one another uh, decided to get a house together mm -hmm. as you do steve joined the next year it was a whole yeah thing. i was a johnny come lately yeah but like yeah there was a whole set of drama before steve came there was a whole set of drama after i replaced i replaced somebody yeah yeah, and then he fucked that person. But it's all like, you know, <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> that but, is how uh, that worked. Yeah, so we had a place in college, uh, which was this top floor of a duplex in Ewing, New Jersey. And below us was a man named Archie. And Archie was a wonderful man and a man of myth, a man of legend. You know, if he was in a band, he would go by Archie Lifeson because he is the son of life. <laughs> Rush joke. Yeah. So Archie was great. Uh, he's surely dead by now. And I'm sure that the shitty duplex we lived in is like a swanky condo. But um, he had uh, 11,000 children. <laughs> and I think we should try and track down and interview one of them. Okay. I'm completely disconnected he, from this he, entirely. He, he, but... would get, he would get his children addicted to cocaine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's teenagers. my... Okay, he, I he got would? some Archie's story. So the when we first moved into this place, we're like, it's seriously, it's junior year of college. It's me and four other human beings in a two-bedroom. And, uh, you know, we all do a bunch of drugs. And so we get this place in Ewing, top floor of another place. And on the bottom floor, there's this old man who lives there who gardens like a motherfucker, shirtless as fuck, all the time. And he constantly just seems unfriendly. He's got, like, this warm eight pack of Miller lights, but they're like four ounce cans that come in an eight pack. It's a super specific like format of selling beer that I don't even know exists anymore or mm. ever. I think just Archie invented it and some booze store in Ewing sold it because Archie bought it so much. 
And he would just be like chugging these tiny little cans of beer as he's gardening. And he always had a very Southern aspect. He had a Southern accent. He had a bit of gruffness to him. And boy, did he love classic rock, but from the Skinnerd Allman Brothers bit of Doobie Brothers, crossover, a lot of Rolling Stones. And, you know, we we were a bunch of, like, yeah, 20-year-old, like, druggies, and, like, we would have some parties, we'd be tripping, we'd be playing music, we'd be like, oh, man, we're pissing off the downstairs neighbor. But then we go to sleep on a Tuesday, and we would just hear honky-tonk women until 5.30 in the morning, just honky-tonk women playing over and over again with just a crowd of people below us. Mm -hmm. Then one day I saw Archie gardening and I noticed he had a Star of David necklace around him. And I thought, this man is incredibly interesting. Uh, You have to also contextualize he was gardening around a statue of mary like he had yeah mother, was, mother mary bust you know those yeah there was like an absolute mexican apartment mary out front yeah mm-hmm. as well they was just sitting there and like no one questioned it but um oh, why it, would you we ended up making friends with this guy and he was so fucking cool His parents were German Jews. They escaped the Holocaust to move to Texas, where they became Jewish rednecks. They spent several years being Jewish rednecks. Archie had multiple stories that included, one, having sex with a string of daughters of various ministers in his town Mm -hmm. as a Jew. And he was extremely Jewish about it. But like when you (laughs) spoke to him, he came off as a redneck. He was a Texas good old boy, but he spoke fluent ass German. And I'm sure if I pinned him down on it, he spoke Yiddish. Yeah, but you want everyone to speak Yiddish. No, no. Archie came from a very Jewish German escape the Nazis family. He absolutely Mm -hmm. spoke Yiddish. He spoke fluent German. He had a story when he was in the army. He got stationed in an army base where he was in West Berlin and um, he got made fun of because he spoke German like a woman because he learned from his grandmother. It was this cute little story. Anyway, how do you speak German like a woman? uh, He just I don't know, some colloquial set of things he picked up from his mother or grandmother just translated into he spoke early German, according to Uh why are you saying it like that? It's very girly. That's very girly. That's very girly. Says the man in a fishnet tank top going to the discotheque, listening to the Kraftberg. Kraftberg. But, uh... Yeah, no, Archie was cool as fuck. Anyway, so to Steve's point, he was a murderer who didn't have to go to jail for murder. Yep. And one time he invited us all to eat mushrooms with him. And then he cornered me. He cornered me in a mushroom haze. And he's like, yeah, I got away with something and I feel really (laughs) bad about it. He 
And by get Whoa. away with something. And and I was like, no, that's life. not the time to get that. <laughs> and I was I like, what is what is going on? Uh, I want to say I want to back away, but also I can't. So because I think that would be rude. That would ruin the vibes. And so he proceeds to tell me about how a man at a bar insulted his pappy. I also had this story told to me by Archie, but not under mushrooms. So we have two perspectives on this. A man insulted his pappy and he said, well, I can't let this stand. And he, you know, he kind of like choked up, you know, in our mushroom haze. And he's like, you know, and I just I, you know, we had a good talk outside the bar and I had my gun and I took him in the back and, you know, he can't insult my pappy. So I just shot him. Yep. Dead. He's dead. That's you know, and I killed him. I I will never let myself down. And then the next day, the recruiter for the army flew me over to Germany and uh, backlogged my date a couple days earlier, and uh, n- nobody suspected I did it. Well, everyone suspected, but he had an alibi. Like, yeah. literally, we all know Archie committed murder in Texas, then joined the army, and then... Upon being stationed in Germany, allegedly, according to Archie, he hooked up the first Gatling-type gun to an Apache helicopter, thus continuing U.S. imperialism in Vietnam, but also giving a good vehicle in uh, Battlefield Vietnam, a 2008 game. Uh, I don't know who's 2008. No, but no, Archie invented a way of depressing Vietnamese people after that. So, like... Killing commies. Yeah. Archie is an amazing person. So, here's my memories of Archie. Because this is now an Archie episode. And, Archie, if you're out there, I fucking love you, dude. Yeah, I love you. Respect. Respect to all of your children. His father was named Archibald, and everyone called him Archie. And he would tell that to you. And that's why he was named Archie. And this, I assume, very strongly this dude is dead right now. And so if this was my eulogy to him, this would be my eulogy to him. But anyway, Archie, the man, the myth, the legend, I have a memory of him, which was a friend of ours from college. And we always refer to her as our hot friend. Because she was this person who hung out with us for some reason and was just conventionally more attractive than anyone else who hung out with us. So she was her hot friend. Uh, She was like, hey, you guys want to hang out at your place? Uh, Because she was like a year under us. She lived in the dorms. She needed an off-campus place to hang out. We were initiating her into drug culture. Yeah, it was a whole Jeffrey Epstein sitch. But anyway, so... So she's like, you want to hang out? I have a uh, sorority sister, and uh, she wants to chill off campus. And so we're like, yeah, we're hanging out with Archie and his son. So if you want to do that, you can do that. And she's like, Bonnie, would you have done this? I don't know. It depends. (laughs) So when I say Archie and his son, so Archie had a million children. Yes, you said this earlier, so I'm like, how old is this child? This child is about 54 years old. <laughs> and yes. he has eight teeth. 
His youngest kid was 22. And I also hung out with him. All right. And his older sister uh, was 24. I hung out with her. No, like, seriously, it was like this just... You would hang out with Archie, and it's like, yeah, this is one of my kids. And they would be any age at all. (laughs) And it would be a different person, and they would be addicted to a different drug that you could then try. And it was so cool. So, yeah, we were hanging out with him and his eldest, who was this, like, mid-50s dude who was also a trucker. And I guess Archie at some point was a trucker. I don't know. I think he was when we were living there together. I'm pretty sure that's what he did. He was trucking. Because I know that he told me that when he did trucking routes, he would pick up moonshine in New Jersey. Well, okay, Archie and moonshine is a whole different story. It's sort of racist. But, uh... Okay, so yeah, so she's like, yeah, me and my sorority sister, we want to hang out. We're like, we're Archie's son is over and we're hanging out with him. And so she's like, absolutely, because she actually was incredibly cool. So her and her friend showed up and it was us in the downstairs apartment with Archie, his son, who was like in his mid 50s and missing several teeth. And us and Archie and his son were talking, like essentially comparing stories about different times the police pulled them over for drunk driving and how they may or may not have gotten out of that. And that was literally what was going on. My story of Archie was that we would be hanging out doing drugs, and he would walk up and knock on our door and go, open up, it's the police. Yeah, and we'd all go, it's Archie. People that didn't know would start scrambling, and people who did know would be like, oh, no, it's Archie, and then we'd open up the door, and he would be there with one of those eight packs of beer. A tiny beer. Yeah, tiny beers, a handle of moonshine, the sweetest wine you've ever tasted in your life. Yeah, no, he, like, dealt in this, like, (laughs) absolute, if high C made a wine. (laughs) And a mirror of cocaine. Yeah, no, okay, so that's the other thing with Archie. He did a shitload of coke, and he Well, that's how he stayed up till 5.30 in the morning. He would share his cocaine with you. Like, he would, if you did cocaine, he would give you cocaine. He was very lonely, despite all of his children. Despite not only all of his children, but his multiple friends who listened to the Rolling Stones with him. Yeah. I mean, he was a cool dude. And, okay, so, like, I mean, my one story about Archie would be the uh, Big Lebowski party. We had, they had a... Big Lebowski party. Yeah, so the idea was, it was like, this is super 2007, but we did a uh, party. The idea was there would be a cooler full of uh, white Russian ingredients. There would be Wii Bowling set up in two different rooms. And there would be a TV that would play the Big Lebowski on repeat. 
And you would be encouraged to show up in costume as characters from The Big Lebowski. I think all told a uh, good set of things to do a party in 2007. I think that worked. So about an hour before the party started, uh, Archie showed up with a shitload of cocaine and me and him did a bunch of cocaine. (laughs) for the entire two hours before this party started. So then the party started, and I was, like, really hopped up on coke. And so my hands were fidgeting, and what could one's hands do at a big Lebowski party but make a white Russian and then drink the white Russian and then make another white Russian? So I had about uh, half a gallon milk worth of white Russian. And I don't remember the rest of that party, but God damn it, Archie helped me not remember the rest of that party, and God <laughs> bless him for it. <sighs> Trip down memory lane. Yeah, anyway, so Israel-Palestine. So we spent, we spent the first chunk uh, praising this Jewish man so that we could... Absolve ourselves. Absolve ourselves going forward. Anyway, so from the river to the sea, uh, Palestine shall be free. And damn the Israeli dog bastard, may they be wiped from the earth, uh, is what I have to say. All right, so what's going on, guys? I mean, we can add all our commentary we want in a second, but... Explain what's going on. Shit ratcheted up. Escalated really quickly. Well, yes. It's been um, a terrible time online. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been a terrible time in Gaza. Yes. So what's the events that led up to this? Because I think that's a lot of the propaganda going on right now. They're evicting Palestinians from their homes due to some law in Israeli Supreme Court. Well, no, it's more that there are extremists who go individually and kick people out of places and take over spaces and yeah i saw that i saw that one jewish guy yelling at the palestinians okay then Uh, they have once that's happened they then have the support of the government uh, who then will come in and protect them and etc i will say this very evening i just watched the documentary mayor with my liberal parents who don't know anything about Israel-Palestine. I have an insight into basically broad strokes like this for people. All right, give us your broad strokes. Okay, so first of all, what's, what is East Jerusalem? So, 1967, Israel went to war with several different Arab states during which time they managed to occupy territory at the time the war was lost. From Jordan, they occupied the West Bank, including the eastern half of Jerusalem. That includes a neighborhood called Sheikh Shara. So the idea is Israel is not saying they own East Jerusalem. East Jerusalem's its own thing, and that will eventually get decided with the final negotiation with the Palestinians that will never happen. However, there is this current of ideological thought among 
very conservative people uh, that the Jews should occupy the historical entire area of Israel, which drives the settlements. And they have charities. And one particular charity is trying to buy up land from the Israeli government for cheap that gets reclaimed through court proceedings. And one family essentially was said, you don't own this home. Actually, several families. You don't own these homes. Show us proof you own these homes. And they said our ownership goes back before 1948, before the founding of the state of Israel, and we don't have any documentation. And the probable way this ruling will come out, given past rulings, is they're going to lose their home. And it will eventually get bought up by some charity that will hand it to Israeli settlers. This was seen as a part of the greater idea of having a united Jerusalem under Israeli rule, uh, which led to protests, which led to Israeli responses, which led to Hamas responses, which led to what's happening now. It's my broad strokes. Also uh, worth mentioning is that a lot of people very much like the idea of uh, uniting Jerusalem uh, and having them build uh, a third Jewish temple and possibly knocking down that mosque because some people think that'll bring about the end times. Yeah, that's... Um, that's a fun uh, little little If we're, nugget if we're climbing down the iceberg and we're looking underneath the iceberg, that will come up at some point. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go under that iceberg. What's under the iceberg? Underneath all this very procedural apartheid, which, you know, well, it's very procedural. It's very lawyerly. It's very... Um, well, apartheid is lawyerly. I, I know, I know, I know. That's part of why it's apartheid, because it's sanctioned by the state, you know, sanctions segregation. Real quick geek out. So the difference between Jim Crow and apartheid is Jim Crow is a system of segregation that was developed after the adoption of the 14th Amendment, which said that black people were citizens of the United States. And so Jim Crow had to invent a way to discriminate despite a presumption of citizenship. So black people had different facilities, but there was a separate but equal doctrine. Apartheid, very different, is based on the idea that the individual who is being discriminated against is not a citizen of the state. They're a citizen of a different state. What state are they a citizen of? Nobody a knows. fictional state that the dominant government invented and controls. And they don't have rights under the main government, not because they're a different color or anything, but just because they're not citizens. So they don't vote because only citizens can vote. 
that's agreed upon. And that is the system under which South Africa operated. That's the system under which the United States dealt with the Native American population as the South African government was very willing to point out they very much said they based their system of government on the U.S. Native American system. And that is when you hear Israeli defenders, Israel defenders say, oh, they're not denying people the right to vote. Those aren't citizens of Israel. Do you give Mexicans the right to vote for president? You need to keep in mind that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. They justify their system based on the premise that, oh, these aren't citizens of Israel. They're citizens of Palestine, a government we have occupied with our military and doesn't have any power beyond what we say. But there is, you know, which pointing out that there isn't really any like that. I've heard seen over and over again this week. People misunderstand it in the way where they think of it like a civil war, but where they imagine the Palestinians have these organizations amongst them where they get to exist separate from the imposition of the Israeli government. And that's not really true. (laughs) No, okay. So I will say watching Mayor with my mom, Mm -hmm. it was so wonderful to be able to like walk them through like, okay, no, he's the mayor of Ramallah which exists in the West Bank, it's the effective cultural and economic capital of the West Bank. And what the West Bank is this, and how it exists is this, and how they have to operate is this. And you just watch it play out, and it's like, oh, wait, what's happening now? And it's like, well, this is happening. And it is just an interesting way of saying, like, this is how this system of domination is occurring. I will just give my props to Mayor right now. That's a fucking uh, great documentary. So uh, what I'm hearing from you is something that reinforces what I suspect, which is that the sovereign nation, the occupying sovereign nation of Israel, more or less has everyone as subjects, but they pretend that they're in a different nation for their own political gain, which allows Israel, because sovereignty means the ability to suspend other people's Mm -hmm. law, which allows them to suspend their humanity, basically. And so when they do that, they basically reduce Palestinians to kind of less than human whenever they want to. Okay, so here's my thing. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, no, it is. It is essentially the idea that I'm linking Israeli apartheid to South African apartheid is based on a legal fiction. And when you talk about Jim Crow, that's based on a different legal fiction. A lot of people don't understand how apartheid actually worked. They kind of related it in a U.S.-centric way to what was very recently happening in Georgia, which was there was a racial underclass of people, and they were also both black, 
and a racial overclass that was white. But it was based on these very different premises, which was that the black population of South Africa wasn't lesser or inferior. They simply belonged to a different country. Uh, so, yeah, so the official thing is, it's a technicality, right? <laughs> right. You know, it is a technicality. And it's a technicality based on an incredible insight in the people who wrote the 14th Amendment. Because the people who wrote the 14th Amendment said, everyone who was born in the area that's the U.S. is a citizen. Because they realize. Like, this is the most I'll ever defend or say <laughs> that the legal tradition of the United States is good. Marlo loves the founders. Yeah, the founders of 1865. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, so the idea that um, you need to clearly define what a citizen of this country is to even approach a level of legal equity. And even after that, Jim Crow took over and you didn't have that. Like, Jim Crow was uh, basically a hack to do what South Africa did, or to do what the United States did to the Native Americans, while having to deal with the legal reality that they're citizens. That's what Jim Crow is. Jim Crow is a way of working around black people are citizens to discriminate against them. South Africa's solution was black people are not citizens of South Africa. They're citizens of the Bantu state. And Israel's solution is Pakistanis are not citizens. You're Palestinians. 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 He said Pakistanis. Fair enough. I did say Pakistanis and I'll self crit for that. As soon as <laughs> Bonnie self crits for buying a soda supreme. Well, but, okay, we haven't gotten there yet, but thanks for blowing up my spot. Well, Me, it was the real way, cause of the conflict. Way, yeah, no, okay, so really <laughs> the cause of this conflict, forget everything I said about Sheikh Jarrah, the real cause of the conflict was Israel was the cost of one soda stream away from financing <laughs> a military strike on Gaza. And then one day, Bunny decided to buy a soda stream. After years of not doing it for this very reason. And then and it was just the right time. Yeah. And then in my pandemic brain, I was like, no ethical consumption, man. And I drink a hell of a lot of seltzer, dude. <laughs> like, is, I selfishly sad. put my own seltzer needs before the BDS. It's a legitimate boycott. It's not just a fucking unorganized on Twitter kind of whatever. It's, you know, an actual thing. Okay. I uh, have a meme idea. The meme mm -hmm. is this. The meme is the U.S. government playing Guns N' Roses to get Noriega out of the Vatican embassy. But those elements are labeled, and they're labeled as thus. Number one, the U.S. government is labeled as Mossad. Guns N' Roses is labeled as coronavirus. <laughs> okay. uh, Noriega is labeled as bunny. And the Vatican Embassy is labeled as buying a soda stream. <laughs> 
Look, I literally feel guilty. <laughs> it's hilarious how bad I feel. <laughs> but I mean, like, no, to be honest, you shouldn't. But also, it's incredibly fun to make fun of you for well, it. But, I, but it, it's just like I defended my decision. You defended it. weeks ago. And you defended it by saying you're the stereotype of a 2017 college humor description of a basic bitch. Yeah, I just want my bubbly water. Yeah, no, yeah, like a basic <laughs> bitch. As that, I don't, no, uh, I believe I established because uh, Steve mentioned that Ariel also likes a sparkling water, that we were not mere basic bitches, but cool space princesses. Or maybe um, just fairy princesses. Yeah, the yeah, cottage like, fairies. Yes, yes, yeah. you said. Like, specifically a cottage Princess Aurelian, who was... A Benny Gesserit. <laughs> yeah, seminal to the Paul Atreides Jihad, which cost billions upon trillions of lives. In much the same way that you uh, started the third intifada. <laughs> God damn it. I thought it was the fourth. No, it's the third. No, there's the first intifada was like the 80s. The second intifada was late 90s, early 2000s-ish. And the third intifada is yet to come. And once that happens, uh, the state of Israel will be overthrown. In but Shalom. This, but, but this is the, this is Look, the fourth war with, with Gaza, lot, right? We are dealing uh, with a lot of prophecy. No, I mean, on all this sides. is just like, honestly, 30 years of political nationalist theory. There's been multiple wars with Gaza and with the Palestinians and with the West Bank and the, you know, like there's been a lot of that. Well, and look, guys, tune into any of the numerous other podcasts out there that had experts on this week. Right, yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, most podcasts this week talking about the Israel-Palestinian crisis did not include one of the co-hosts buying the soda stream sure. cost. If it did not include the <laughs> actual culprit. Uh, oh, God. It's, yeah. Well, and They're I'm like, just, yeah, my like, God, we have one payment left on this American missile. Uh, and it's exactly <laughs> the price of a soda stream. <laughs> uh, but only the fizzy one touch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bunny, you mentioned that you hate being online on social well, media. Uh, I it's it's a huge bummer because I anytime Israel Palestine has had conflict or it's come up in my young life, I try to be aware of my perspective as somebody who did not get indoctrinated with a certain story set of stories about this. So not so much that I'm like accommodating for that, but it helps me understand some of the batshit <laughs> takes I, I have seen, but also just feeling as though this is one of those subjects that for, with certain people, I just hope it never comes up. And then it came up. I'm the type of person where I can mind my business surprisingly i know but i can 
But if it is the subject at hand and there is at all an indication that someone would like to know what I think, <laughs> I have to be honest. I don't know. I just feel as though, you know, I've seen a lot of reporting that just indicates to me that there is a very casual sort of dehumanization of the Palestinian people that I, I'm seeing just in the casual things people are saying. What are the what are the arguments? I mean, we're all vehemently anti Zionist. Actually, I don't know anybody that in this podcast that would say there is a legitimate state of Israel. Well, and I want to clarify that I wouldn't say that because I don't think there are any legitimate states that are owned Ooh, no to states. anybody. So uh, that this is like I have a uh, fundamental issue with any argument. Also, there's a one part of this what I see as a little bit of the pro-Israeli propaganda that kind of touches on something that grinds my gears in general, which is conflating things that supposedly happened in the ancient world with something that's happened in modern history. It's mythologizing. Um, what I'm seeing is somewhat Zionist people that I know are, first of all, employing this framework for themselves that this is the land of their ancestors, so they there's a right to it. But then getting very angry at people applying the language of settler colonialism to the state of Israel and implying that's a inherently, of course, anti-Semitic thing. Uh, obviously, anti-Semitism fucking exists, and it's very persistent, etc. And I don't want to seem like I'm questioning, of course, the very legitimacy of Jewish people to exist, period. Because uh, that's often how it's talked about, right? My um, Jewish background is I live in New Jersey, <laughs> not Israel. I've never lived in Israel. I don't have any family. Well, well, and then do you think that it's cool that... People that were born in Palestine have a hard time going to, if they've left Palestine, they have a hard time going back to the place they were born. No, you mean, could go, you could have done a birthright, right? I absolutely could have. It was heavily advertised to me to do so. No, I mean, absolutely. Like, you're basically telling me I don't belong here. I, I mean, like, what is, like, oh, my homeland is some fucking... Well, number one, I'm fat as fuck, and I don't like the heat. Like, I can, like, <laughs> I can chill in a white beer and some ugly-ass cargo shirts in, like, 52 degrees. And, like, I'm not living in a goddamn desert, number one. And for you to tell me that my homeland is some fucking place I've never fucking been to. Like, fuck you. No, I, I mean, my homeland is uh, the upper eastern part of America, also a nation that should be wiped off the earth. But, uh, you know, like, that's where I belong. I, I, don't, I don't belong in no Israel. That's my thing, is it all comes down to... You, you, they try and, like, the liberal Zionists try and differentiate themselves from the John Hagees of the world and mm -hmm. say, oh, yeah, those Christian Zionists, there's some creepy fucks. It's like, you're all the same fucking, fuck you. No, you're all saying 
all belong here. That's what you're all saying. Well, and it, and that seems to be a common theme within the state of Israel that is almost anti-Semitic in a way. And why yeah. anti-Semitic people like the state of Israel? Because it's yeah. like, you go there, don't stay here. We well, don't yeah, want you do here. Also think, do you also think it's partially... It's almost this vision of an Israel that's like theme parkified. Like we're going to recreate the ancient Holy Land in its image. Like that's the argument. Uh, and then you have people being like, yeah, do it. It's going to bring about this end of the world prophecy. Uh, and then you have like counter sort of prophecies and fucking aims there. But it's. Well, I heard that the, the end of days prophecy for evangelical Christians, why they support Israel is literally they believe that they will be more in line to go to heaven at the rapture if they're in Israel because of some like transformational That's thing. That's where he's coming like directly. He's touching down back. And But they're well, still going to like, hell because they're not like, Christians, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, okay, well, so that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Like, that's not... But roughly, that's partially a Bible fan fiction, partially, like, this idea that during the apocalypse, during the end times, there is this sequence of events that will, like, domino effect. Yeah, and no, like... They that... reverse-engineered an argument that if they are physically in, <laughs> like, near Jerusalem, they'll, like... Yeah, the millennialist bullshit about Israel, like honestly, it's 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 uninteresting to even be mentioned. But no, I mean what it comes down to is the end time prophecies generally presume there to be a temple in Jerusalem. Yes. And the General, like, tenor, if you go through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, through popular history of Israel, it's all based around there's a building in Jerusalem that occasionally gets burnt down. Like, when you get down to it, the, the whole thing is there's a building, it's in Jerusalem, occasionally people destroy it, and... Uh, Currently, it's destroyed, and if only we built it again, God will be king of Earth. It's some fucking shit Paul wrote. No, I mean, it goes beyond, before Paul. I mean, like, Paul uh, was second. No, I'm, ta I'm speaking to the specific thing that American evangelicals tend to focus well, on. Well, okay, so... I mean, it's all a matter of there was a first temple, the first temple got destroyed, there was a second temple. When the New Testament occurred, the second temple existed, and shortly after the New Testament, the second temple was destroyed. And then between all of that, 1948 occurred. And that's the evangelical summary of Israel. It's... Not something you have to put any credit in. And, like, also, I would reject the kind of idealist notion that any of this matters. And I would say that, honestly, the state of Israel is a Western U.S. puppet state projecting power into the Middle East. 
And it isn't about whatever ideology controls it. It just happens to be. I agree with that. Uh, it is. Here's a good one. What do people mean when they say this is settler colonialism? Because I feel like um, I've seen a uh, bunch of things that... Are, I mean, just, yeah, fuck. It's never good. But in this specific instance, like... Well, for this, they mean there is an intentional attempt to displace populations and replace them with settlers. Like, that's... The individuals that are going to these places on the edges and taking over places and then getting the support of the government are effectively settler colonialists uh, in, you know, but in like a small business version. Okay, so number one, I am going to real quick blow my nose to uh, establish (laughs) the fact that I'm not anti-Semitic. I have the Bernay Fides to discuss this subject because I have an extremely Ashkenazic nose. Uh, a schnoggin. <laughs> okay, so... Play, play having Nagila behind uh, him blowing his nose. Okay, no, seriously, I will say, uh, right right out the back, Matt, if our exit music is all I gossip, I will love you for that. <laughs> it's a traditional Yiddish song. It means look around, and it includes the line, hey, hey, the loy poet say, which translates to hey hey fuck the police nice it's a great song and it was recorded in the wake of the 1905 revolution which is when my family was uh shunted out of that country but i like to think that it was a protest song against the people who drove my family from russia I like the song. Matthew played the song. <laughs> well, um, in evangelicals' defense, if some things happen and it does trigger the end times, I will feel stupid. So I'll be like, you told me so. Also, I will say, if you all care about the evangelical prophecies... Everyone who listens to this episode who is not currently signed up for oh, yeah. our Patreon, my, <laughs> my, our Patreon, and also my Jack Chick Facebook group, yeah. you should all do that. And by you, I mean Richard Clay. <laughs> oh man, I do uh, love him. A beautiful illustrations. You know, okay, honestly, okay, yeah, wish- actually, buddy, have you watched the documentary that I passed in? No, no, I haven't, actually. You actually should. It's I'm definitely really, going to. It's really good, because basically the documentary, it's really good in the segment, because basically all the interviews are split down the middle of... Uh, indie comic like all all comic guys mm-hmm. 
who just like appreciate the artwork and the <laughs> like way the layout of Jack Chick comics as an aesthetic value removed from any uh yeah. like any like greater social or political messaging versus the Christians who only care about the social messaging and don't care about the artwork or the layout or any of that. And it's this, like, kind of dialectic between the two to decide what Jack Chick is. And it's really incredible because it, it is, like, Jack Chick is the only fascist I would take a bullet for. Like, 100%. I fucking unironically, legitimately love Jack Chick. I discovered Jack Chick at an era where most people, like basically 2002, 2003, where most people would go into new atheism or just like be assholes. I was like this suburban white dude from South Jersey with some liberal ass parents. And I thought the conservatives were gay as shit and I was going <laughs> to own them. And I discovered Jack Chick and I literally read his entire library in three days. And like Jack Chick is an amazing fucking person. He's an amazing individual He is an amazing understander of communism because the very notion of the Chick Tract, if you look at Jack Chick's self-approved biography of Jack Chick, you'll discover that he was exposed to Maoist comics. And that's how he realized that using both illustrations and writings is the most efficient way of delivering propaganda. And as the Maoists did for communism, he would do for Jesus. And he did. Uh, Jack Ma- Chick is a better mouse than Xi Jinping. <laughs> Oh, God, Jesus Christ. Jack Chick. The Jack Chick Stan Hour. If Jack Chick was made the premier of China in 1996, the fall of Gong would not exist today. (laughs) (laughs) Like, goddamn, that dude fucking rules. Like, Uh, I fucking love Jack Chick, and he is a hateful human being. You should disagree with everything. You are actually showing him Christ's love, which is the irony. Yeah, no, like, everything (laughs) Jack Chick ever preached, you should believe the opposite of it. But holy shit, goddamn. No, I'm a caveat. Uh, I'm going to say the ones where demons are telling scientists to say demons aren't real. I think that one checks out. (laughs) I would say, what is your opinion on the King James Version 1611 (laughs) New Revised Bible? (laughs) 
<laughs> we, I'm sorry, uh, we're going to start a new season. We're pivoting to a 100% Jack Chick Track. I'm podcast. out. I'm out. Uh, Mar- no, I, I like Jack Chick. No, Not uh, as much as Marlo. Yeah, uh, no, like, I don't think, I don't so think cool. anybody the likes it as much as Marlo. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, um, no, seriously. 1611, that's a year. How do you feel about it? Because I love that year. Because that's the year that King James made the King James Bible. Anyway, Pinko Kami Sluts is totally an endorser of the KJV 1611 newly revised Bible. And if you think you're a Christian and you read the new international version, fuck you. You basically are a Hindu at that. <laughs> Speaking of which, go see what side hardcore uh, Hindu nationalists are on with. uh, (laughs) Oh, definitely on the side of Israel. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's did you see that uh, Netanyahu uh, tweeted a thing with all these country flag emojis being like, thank you for your support. Oh, my goodness. And um, all these Hindu nationalists were like, where are we? (laughs) And it was so thirsty. So uh, Okay, so real quick, and aside from my complete acceptance of Jack Chick thought as as reality, (laughs) I will just say Hindu Vata Twitter is totally cool as fuck and you mm-hmm. should always follow that no so if you have to like pick two different versions of fascism yeah if you just want to try like a couple flavors of fascism marlo where where what should we do and do the twitter and jack stay stay away from zionism mm-hmm. at the moment yeah no that's gay as fuck but like no and do the Twitter and JTC uh, tracks. Like, go to chick.com. <laughs> no, 100. Why are They're you- going to send us a cease and desist. Like, we do not endorse your podcast. <laughs> hey, okay, hey we've already been canceled from YouTube. Yeah, man. Oh, oh. I think, okay, it, I think I don't it was the know. Best. Okay, one number one. I don't know why you're reacting. Like I, I know who's to blame for getting kicked off of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Am I to blame? I it's not- the devil, Jack <laughs> I just I remember. I say the Freemasons. Another group that Jack Chick. Very. Okay. You know what? No, Steve. No, okay, Steve, you're into, like, Derrida and whatnot. Okay, so Jack Chick really deconstructs the Freemasons to explain why the Freemasons, despite (laughs) not being into the devil, actually, if you deconstructively look at them, are basically Satanists. So, like, really, the thing with Jack Chick... You don't need that many leaps uh, yeah, I go like, by the Masonic temple all the time and yeah, I'm like man. man I can see this that being satanic half say, of Alistair Crowley's fucking rantings yeah okay so like 
like Jack, Jack we, Chip. We do not have time for a Jack Chip deep dive in the grand scheme, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. So uh, we, um, all we right. can dedicate so it's, a later episode. It's on, it's on. Why don't you make a premium episode, Marlo, where you just get very liquored up. Oh, that would be super. Oh, Marlo. And you go one j- chick track at a time. I would and- love Okay, to you know what? Okay. Can you do a radio play of, of a chick track? Okay, hold up. I got an idea. I will do that, but we got to doll of this. I need someone who is the Garrett who doesn't know anything about chick tracks. Okay. All right. Who reads what? the chick track for the first time and asks me about it. Mm-hmm. And I will be able to do that. That sounds like a bunny improv thing she can put on her resume. <laughs> All right. Yeah, 100%. Not to, oh, you know, invite you to do it, bunny, but I don't think I have the improv chops for that. <laughs> yeah. You can't think on my feet. Make no. shit up. I tried to join an improv group. Um, all I did was stand stationary with my hands over my head, thinking they would get that I was a bear. Okay, buddy. <laughs> they did not. The last generation is mm-hmm. the pilot episode. That is what I have to say. I will say you should be at least familiar with one or more Kirk Cameron Left Behind movies. Mm-hmm. But the last generation, that chick track, just Google Jack Chick, the last generation. There is a character named Bobby. We'll talk about him. But that's our first episode. All right. (laughs) Notice. Phil knows why this is a good idea. I think we need to talk about Jack Chick more. Also, there should be more sort of uh, fandoms based around a genuine appreciation for a a guy with bad ideas. (laughs) All right, guys. I am feeling good about this, uh, even though we did not get an expert on Palestine. The world is on (laughs) fire. There's no Mm -hmm. driver at the wheel. That's right. Nobody knows why we're on this space rock filled with melty fires. To the people of Palestine, I have to say this. (laughs) They definitely listen. (laughs) You will win. And also, every time your cousin dies, that's because my dad. (laughs) (laughs) I just just took a sip of seltzer, so. Oh, my God. I want to try some of that seltzer. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) We, We made it. We made it. Bye. All right. Bye. In all the gas and women get hurt, man,
Breder und Schwester, laat mir sich nicht irzen. Laat mir Nikolai Kalender jahrelang verkürzen. Nacht noch tergefiert, a wegele mit Mist. Ein Tisser geworden, ein Kapitalist. Hey, hey, da loi Polizei, da loi sammelt der Javits Frasse. Breder und Schwester, laat mir gehen zusammen. Mir Nikolai klein bei Groben mit der Mammen, Kosaken, Gendarmen, Arup von die Pferd, der russische Kaiser liegt schein in Erd. Hey, hey, da loi Polizei, da loi sammelt der Javits Frassei. Brüder und Schwestern gehen wir Hand in Hand und treiben diese Rechtsregierung raus aus unserem Land. Gemeinsam demonstrieren gegen Schwarz und Blau. Wir wollen weder Burschenschaftler noch sozialer Bau. Hey, hey, nieder mit HC und nieder mit der neuen ÖVP. Raus auf die Straße trotz Schnee und Niederschlag, denn es ist wieder Donnerstag. Brüder und Schwestern, es ist noch nicht zu spät. Bekämpfen wir Rassismus mit Solidarität. Gemeinsam können wir diese Rechtsregierung stürzen und vielleicht noch nebenbei unsere Arbeitszeit verkürzen. Hey, hey, nieder mit HC und nieder mit der neuen ÖVP. Raus auf die Straße, trotz Schnee und Niederschlag, denn es ist wieder Donnerstag. Wir wollen keine Grenzen und keinen Sicherheitsapparat. Schon gar keinen protofaschistischen Ethno-Nationalstaat. Hey, hey, nieder mit HC und nieder mit der neuen ÖVP. Raus auf die Straße, tritt Schnee und Niederschlag. Heute ist Straches letzter Tag. Das ist 